This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my fabulous co-host, Brie Tucker. Oh my gosh, I can't. Hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I can't come. I can't compete with that. How do I follow up from that? The song. (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's like being in Sound of Music. I constantly think it's like Sound of Music. It's like, hello, like. I'll feed her saying goodbye. That's always what goes through my head. That's the only like song reference I have. <laughs> and I immediately go to the podcasts are alive with the sound, the sound of, of There you go. It's yeah. always sound of music all the time. It's like, <laughs> I do know other musicals. Like I'm an actual musical fan. And yet it's always sound of music that I can do. All of my musical childhood experiences were Andrew Lloyd Webber. My parents were huge Andrew Lloyd Webber fans because, you know, I grew up in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had every single CD and tape by him back in the day. And every summer we went to the outdoor Broadway theater in Kansas City called Starlight. Not sure it's still around. That sounds like an Andrew Lloyd Webber inspired title for us. Possibly. Possibly. And it was like a big deal. I was the only one out of my parents' kids that liked it. So I would go with them every every summer. So I saw like Cats and Phantom of the Opera. I remember seeing Fiddler on the Roof. That's not Andrew Lloyd Webber, but it was a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I didn't see musicals as a kid. It was college. College, like my dorm was right across from Gamage Auditorium on ASU. <sighs> and we got $20 rush tickets for students. So we would just go to the box office. I saw Rent. That's how I saw Rent and loved it. That's another one I'll go. That was a very long beep. I don't know if this is working. Mark, Mark. I could go. I could say the whole musical to you. Um, we didn't but- <laughs> have musicals at my college. Like I was on the board too for concerts and stuff. And we had one. We had Chicago. So my heart is very, I love Chicago. That's yeah. one of my favorites too. Did you see Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yes. 20, oh. 20 years ago. Can you believe it? 20 and years ago. Opening day. 
Okay. Yeah, I, my luckily my boss at the time we had like a really small I worked in EI and there was only like four of us my boss is like all right guys we're taking a, a work field trip this day because Chicago's opening and my husband will go with me and I know y'all want to so we're just gonna make a work team building event so we went to go see it see that's an awesome an awesome thing to do we should do that Bray. we should just like what's a movie coming out it's all on Netflix now there, Disney yeah Plus. Like, I was gonna say spent. Yeah, it's going to, I don't know if that's coming back. We need an event, like an event movie. Our guest today on the podcast has nothing to do with musicals, but she is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) I would think that she would like to go watch a musical with us. Before we started recording, she had mentioned that she had come out to Arizona recently. Mm -hmm. And even though that where she came in Arizona was no, it was like near us in Phoenix. Um, I'm still like, oh man, next time she comes to Arizona, we need to go hang out. Would have been like a four hour drive to get up to her, but you know, Hey, yeah. worth a shot. <laughs> she, she's totally fun. Her name is Christine Carter. You might've heard of her. She's the author of mom AF and a senior contributor at Forbes women. And she helps working moms transition to new flexible opportunities. They love without sacrificing their income. And Christine has two kids, 10, and seven and lives in Baltimore. And we had such a phenomenal conversation with her about being a working mom and all of these skills that we have as a mom and how they transition to work as well as the skills we have as a mom that do not transition to work, which is very enlightening. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to bring donuts anytime soon. Not every time. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoy our interview with Christine. This episode of the No Get Mom podcast is brought to you by the Happy Parent Checklist. (laughs) So, so many parents ask us questions about like what to do in this situation with their kids or what to do with the situation with their kids, like whether it be like having too much screen time or not being able to transition from watching a TV show to going to bed. And a lot of our answers comes down to our happy framework, this process that we have with asking our kids questions and finding out the reasons behind their behavior. And then being able to communicate with them in a way that helps us problem solve. And that is what you get in the happy parent checklist is absolutely free. We have put a link for it down in the show notes. So go and grab it. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast, Christine. We are so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. I, um, I, I was so excited to talk with you because I was reading your book, mom AF, and I just found it so relatable, um, balancing, like working with, of course, being a mom and that trip that you took on a train into the city and like trying to have an adult conversation and just being so not knowing what to say. I could resonate with for sure. I still struggle with that. Last night I went to an event for Preakness and I offered to take someone to their car um, that was at the train station. And in saying goodbye, I almost touched the man's groin. So it's oh, no. just like, it's <laughs> always socially awkward. Like I'm always apologizing for how I act socially. <laughs> What's even worse is when like you realize you almost made a big faux pas. So you apologize 
before you even did it. And then yeah. they're like, whoa, you were going to do what? Right. Um, right. Oh, that's, I've done that too. I find sometimes in conversations, like, I don't know what else to talk about other than kids. And so like, I, I will almost always, when I'm meeting somebody new, uh, like neighbors across the street, two or three years ago, my first question out of my mouth, not even thinking about the sensitivity of this question. I'm like, Hey, do you have any kids? And like, she's like, no, we don't have any kids. And it just ended right there. Right. But it's like, and I'm like, I don't know what else to talk about. I <laughs> well, nice weather today. Yeah. Clouds in the sky. It's like, I don't know. People talk about travel in casual settings and in social settings. And I am the kid whisperer. So, or the allergy whisperer, because my kids have really bad allergy and asthma. So I can hear in your voice when you're sick and I'll just start to run down the list. Like you have nasal spray, do you have blue Zyrtec? I have some. In oh my, my gosh. And it's just like, <laughs> no one needs you to be a mother constantly. And I feel like the three of us, we might forget that, but yeah, I don't know how to yeah. have a social conversation. Yeah. I can diagnose your asthma in a minute, but I don't know how to have a social conversation. <laughs> that's like, that's a good skill. I feel like it's almost, um, kind of the introvert tendencies too, because like an introvert, like, would you describe yourself as an introvert? Oh yes. 100%. Yeah. I'm an ISTJ. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. An INFJ because I got the deeper I quiz done. INFJ. I think I might be an INFJ too. The Myers-Briggs thing. Yeah. Like I, that sounds familiar to me. I'm like sometimes in between introverted and extroverted. Brie is okay. a total extrovert. Yes, a- I was going to say, I don't, I took that back in college. I had a whole course on personality assessments and I don't remember what mine is, but I definitely know like Joanne said, extrovert. Mm. The pandemic killed me, man. I was like clawing at the windows. I couldn't Our take lives. it. Because day. <laughs> yeah. <As> introverts. <laughs> With introverts, introverts like to go deep fast, like right. not be interested in any surface conversation. But with you said with the allergies, you're like, right. let's talk about this and let's go really into it. Right. Like I, I could totally identify exactly. with that. Exactly. So we're going to have a good conversation. <laughs> exactly. Cause I go deep. Fast. Yes. Exactly. So let's start with first your book. Like what led you to write mom AF? So I started the book years before it was released. It was starting, it started as a way to tie the parallels between my grandmother's generation and our generation. And I'm so happy that the editor at the time said, that's really not the story. I think you should show how funny you are. Because we were emailing and obviously I was being myself. And she's like, I think you should show how funny you are and really talk about what it's like to be a mother and to be a minority in these spaces as a woman, as a black woman, as a millennial and be type A and try to be controlling in all aspects of your life because that's who I am. And the book is really about me trying to apply the controlling manner that I show in business to my marriage. Obviously that doesn't work as well as motherhood, obviously that doesn't work either. And how I learned along the way to stay true to myself, uh, but all parts of myself, not just the controlling part of myself, but true to who I am and what I believe in and keep myself grounded in that. So you say something so interesting, the controlling part of yourself, because I think that's something that a lot of moms today can identify with is like this fear almost that if we let something go, it's going to all go wrong. Yeah. 100%. Hello. I'm always afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think that's because we are so often put in situations where we aren't leaders 
or we aren't, our voices aren't heard, if you, if mm. you think about it. So once we do have the opportunity to be heard or to be in control, we want to make sure it's perfect so we continue to have mm. that control. I was doing a piece for Forbes about how motherhood shows up at work be it good or bad. And one of the bad ways is when we take on that responsibility of bringing in the donuts on Friday, or we're mm. serving as informal mentors because we need to have that control and feel needed. And it's to our detriment, you know, because no one takes that person seriously and is expecting that person to climb the corporate ladder. Unfortunately, they're does have to be a little bit of toughness that you that you show in business. Mm -hmm. There's aspects of motherhood that are great for business. Our nurturing side, probably not one of them. Our empathetic side, yes, but not the donuts on Friday side. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Bree here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Not the donuts on Fridays. So uh, it's the donuts on Fridays thing. It just reminded me of the story that um, like I was this teacher, I had a mentor teacher and my mentor teacher was kind of talking like 
shady about this other woman who said like in her interviews for these high level positions, she would bring the box of donuts for everybody in there. And I see you kind of like, yeah, (laughs) it's so fascinating because sometimes as a woman, I feel like I have to make those gestures or I'm not being kind to others or I'm not thinking of others, but I agree with that. And also like, I could see Christine, like that it is a detriment to being taken seriously in terms of other things. And so like, you're rocking my world a little bit right here. (laughs) I got to add to that. Like, I think so many of us, we, and you and I had talked about this on a previous podcast episode about that whole mindset of the good girl, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Of you have to be kind, you have to be considerate. You have to be giving to others. You have to sacrifice things, sometimes big, sometimes small to be seen as the good, kind person. And, and you're right. I think, you know, when you say that, like we think that the kind person is what people want, but it isn't because the kind person is the one who's always taking care of everybody else and doesn't get their stuff done. So let's talk about, I I think a lot of times I'm going to push back on you and let's talk about time. Okay. Yes. When you're in a meeting and you're being interviewed and your goal is to come off as kind, which one do you think has the more long-term impact on the person that is interviewing you? If you bring in donuts to show your kind, or you're able to provide an example of you being a leader and mentoring somebody in the workplace and that person accelerated in their career. Exactly. It's number two. Definitely number number two. two. Number two. Exactly. (laughs) Because you're showing the company that you're great at retaining employees, saving them money. You're also a great team leader. That is going to have much more of an impact than you bring in donuts. And it's both are still situations in which you were kind. You're totally right. Yeah, that is very yeah. true. So like, what are, what are the qualities that really we could take for motherhood that we could also use at work that really put us at an advantage? flexibility and the ability to adapt to any situation, the ability to problem solve, the that, Amen. Yeah, that empathy. I mean, science has proven that first year is called matrescence and so much of our brain changes. We just develop a, an entirely new perspective for humans on the planet. And I think that's quite important now. We learned that in the pandemic that we are all people first, employees second. Um, the, the, the ability to want to see someone else develop themselves and grow, I think is a huge component of motherhood that you can take mm-hmm. into the workplace. That's why I say, can't you show the kindness through your team leadership or through your mentorship? Um, that's so, mm-hmm. that's so selfless. And I, and that's such a beautiful skill that easily applies that, and, and so many women would benefit from that, right? Uh, just to Mm -hmm. know that there was another mentor or another woman in the workplace who wanted to see them grow and was tapping into their matrescence to do that. So there are so many skills that you can bring that don't have to to be like giving somebody your coat or bringing in lunch and stuff like that. Bringing them them goldfish crackers, you know, having (laughs) their doctor's appointments. Like, who is we were talking about that earlier about the whole like I swear moms always have snacks or antihistamines things like we always we always have what you need we're always gonna have a napkin we're always gonna have a snack that's those are yeah yes yes at some point though I think like those those qualities so what you mentioned of you know being able to develop people as leaders and being kind that way um I could see how it conflicts with the needing to be perfect as well when given in a leadership like put in a leadership role because 
you're always worried about that perfection and how, I mean, like, obviously I'm speaking from personal experience here, <laughs> like always worried about that perfection and being perceived as not unworthy or incompetent or a, a variety of other negative adjectives that I don't need to apply to myself, but it, it's like that constant fight. So like, how do you deal with that constant fight and knowing when to, when to let go of that perfection? And yeah. how to like, not let it impede you or impeding like other people. I may seem like a witch with the letter B in front of it, because I like to have uncomfortable conversations because they lead to growth. And mm -hmm. I find that if you are a people pleaser or you are worried about saying the wrong thing, that's when the innovation is gone when it's lost because you're not comfortable you don't feel like you can be your authentic self in that situation so that doesn't mean i'm cursing at work but it does mean that i could ruffle some feathers and i'm going to keep pushing and probing and trying to get to the heart of what you mean versus you giving me the corporate america jargon so sometimes that's uncomfortable for people like i've been in meetings and we only talk about the positive and i and that drives me crazy because you can't really learn from the positive but to my and to my team itself and and having that mindset of always having honest conversations and just battling it out but battling it out for the sake of growth and, and acceleration not for the sake of belittling somebody they love it mm -hmm. Because, and it, it makes us so productive because it becomes a safe space. And you know that I'm, I'm not going to discuss what is being shared here anywhere else. Oh, and by the way, I'm helping you perform your job better and you're making me look like a better leader. So it's the idea of not being perfect is actually what helps to excel your career. So having those, when you say like having those hard conversations about like what's not working, is it also kind of talking about inner feelings, for instance? Oh, absolutely. So I'll tell you this, when I started with a new company, again, my mom vibes, a great example of using your mom vibes for good. I could tell that my staff was anxious and nervous because there was a lot of turnover and I was having a one-on-one -on -one with somebody and the, I told you, I don't know how to have conversations. So just me being me, I was like, Ooh, do you take any edibles or anything like that? <laughs> really? I said, I think you can really oh my God. from that. Like I was like, I have my card and I <laughs> love it. <laughs> I was like, you've got a lot of stress in your life. And she's like, oh, I, I, you know, I obviously have made her uncomfortable by it. And she's like, I know that I need to see a therapist. And I, and I was like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I am coming from a place of concern. Like mm -hmm. you're telling me everything on your plate, but you're not telling me how you feel about everything on your plate, but I can pick it up. So let's talk about how you feel about everything on your plate and let's prioritize and don't ever be afraid to pulse check with me and prioritize because not everything has to be done. Let's be honest. My parents taught me that if your name isn't on the side of the building, don't take it home with you. Like it's, it's not, they can replace you. That. So, yeah. So let's figure out how to make what absolutely needs to be done, done right now and worry about everything else later. That, that is great advice because I think a lot of women are very scared about bringing emotions into the office. Like we have been so trained not to, to show our feelings, being able to like handle it all together. And if we're having difficult feelings and it's like our responsibility to get through it. And I think yeah, it's I see some so examples of women who bring their 
emotions to work and they use it to be manipulative. And I don't like that. And mm -hmm. I, I don't respect that. And I've heard that those folks aren't respected. I think that you should be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that you should speak about your emotions, but you shouldn't manipulate people. So I've seen instances where people are like, well, I'll cry if I have to, to get my way. Oh, no. And that makes the rest that's not of it. women, right. Look yeah. Bad. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's the, it's the more of the emotions being like, okay. Like, I mean, I remember when I worked in the corporate world and I had no direction whatsoever from my boss and I just was like sitting there at my desk, not knowing what to do. And I would think of like, okay, I, I have to look busy and I can't talk to him about this because if I don't look busy, then he won't think that I'm doing the job I'm supposed to be doing. And you know what I do in that situation? I do just like this because it's up to you to tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> How's he going to fire you if he didn't give you any work? No, absolutely I not. would have been right there with you, Joanne. I had a similar situation where I had a job and there was a lot of turnover, like that example you were giving. And so many people had been let go. And I was only in my job maybe three months before my boss got, got fired. And I had just started an entire new department where I was working at. So I had no direction. Yeah. Nobody else knew anything about early childhood where I worked. I was terrified of losing my job. I, I was a single mom yeah. and I had just bought a house every day at work. I was just like, gosh, I hope I'm doing the right thing. Cause I have no, I have no direction. To Nobody to tell me what they, what they expect from me. And you were just trying to like quiet. And I could never admit to other people there that I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. That was the worst experience of my entire life. And I think a lot, a lot of us, like, it's like, can I say that about also the single mom thing? Exactly. That's what, that's exactly what I, what I was thinking when you said it. I was like, the fact that you had to sit there and that, that's the empathy in me. I'm thinking about you day in and day out sitting there as a single mom where like, well, the money's got to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. But what I, in those instances, I put myself in the other person's shoes. And I think about, okay, it costs two and a half times the amount of my salary to try and find a, a replacement for me. So I'm not going to get fired. Then they can't fire me without cause. And they don't have cause because they haven't given me a, a list of tasks. And then have I consistently and repeatedly and one-on-one -on -one asked, what are the expectations of me in this 30, 60, 90 day period? And how can we track against them? If you're telling me nothing, yeah, I'm sitting back. I'm sitting back and collecting my check. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, yeah. Talking about like these things that we have as moms and these strengths as moms, a lot of moms who are home right now, we get this question a lot. They want to transition back to the workforce and they're scared that now they will not be taken seriously and they do not have the skills. What is your advice to those moms? So God bless the people who write for, or the women who write for my blog, because the blog is all about being a working mom. And it has a lot of articles about being a stay-at-home mom and going back to the workforce. So I always refer people to that. I don't talk about parenting at all, because I don't want to teach you how to parent your kid. Everybody does it differently, but I can help you with trying to navigate your career. I will always say leverage those skills. I, that you have with motherhood and try to apply them to different um, things that you've done. Have you volunteered at the school? Probably so. Yeah. Have you helped to, to, to coordinate the house? Have you served as a household manager? Have you done any consulting? Nine times out of 10 though, what I will say is when women are telling me, oh, I just stayed home, they didn't do that. Like yeah. they had an Etsy business or they did some consulting. So that stuff can go on your resume. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's the skill, there are skills, for, and, I, and I hate to say even for stay-at-home moms because I don't believe in the difference, but there are skills that you can transfer and, and put on a resume for sure. Where do you put that on a resume? Do you put it like in the skills section? Because I mean, I'm so used to resumes being like, your employment history, like, would you list? Right. And they, and they tell you, yeah, and it is yeah they tell you like, don't have those blanks. Yeah. And it is your employment Sorry. history, but you probably are working in an industry that you can speak to some of the skills from the industry. So for example, if you're in HR, like mm. HR executive management or talent development or something like that, like those are the core competencies and the skills that you can put in. I mean, just because you decided to take a break doesn't stop the fact that you're, you were an HR professional. My aunt has been out of the workforce for decades. I don't change. I, I never take away from her the fact that she was a retail management professional. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. On that same thought process, what if you had a career, let's say like you were teaching, right? And then you, you stayed home for several years, five or more, right? And let's just, I mean, most of us can say, in America, the teaching industry has, has changed quite yeah. a bit. The, uh, everything that's going on with it. So yeah. like, Hey, I don't want to go back into that. Uh, do you have any advice on, on how they can kind of find what their new path might be? If, if you're sitting there going like, I want to go back to work. I know I don't want to go back to the professional I was, I want to do a whole new thing. How would you even start trying to figure out what is something that would be a new journey you would like to go on? So I thought this particular author was like full of BS that she was just basically somebody, another Rachel Hollis, I'll just say it. I thought she was another Rachel Hollis, but somebody, <laughs> my therapist told me to read Brene Brown's The Gift of Imperfection, because mm -hmm. I am a control freak. And I was like, oh my God, this book is absolutely freaking amazing. And then I read Dare to Lead. And when I read Dare to Lead, she has an exercise in it that helps you really think about, okay, what is it that gets me out of bed in the morning? What am I passionate about? And just free write it. 
And then after you free write it, you take it into different phrases. And then if you have to, after you have those phrases, you try to pair them up into sentences. And I did that. And it was incredible to me that had I not known the path that I wanted to take, which is to truly support women, that that's what came out of it. It was really about being able to help another woman become her best self because it truly upsets me when I see a woman in a bad marriage or a woman who's not living up to her potential, who's extremely intelligent, but feels like she can't excel at work because of the kids. Mm -hmm. So I looked at my sentences and I was like, I'm on the right path, but that is what I would probably recommend is doing a free write and thinking about all the things that bring you joy. If I didn't know where I wanted to start and put those into phrases and then put it into sentences. And by the way, when I did mine, I do it like for different things. So I did mine for like the health and wellness part of my life. Mm -hmm. I was so surprised that it didn't involve the kids. It didn't involve me dating or anything like that. Like everything was an activity that involved me being alone. Oh, and by the way, I didn't put any time. Like I didn't attach any time to anything. I thought that was so interesting too, because I'm always like, I got to do this by this time. And this will take me this amount of time. And I got to do X, Y, Z by this date. And when I free wrote, that didn't come out. Like it was just about enjoying life or um, in the case of figuring out my professional goals, it was truly about serving other women. Yeah. I love that exercise. <laughs> I did something similar in that exercise. And when you mentioned that, like that's time constraints, that's so consuming, like your everyday life didn't come out. Like I, that's another light bulb moment for me, Christy. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a lot of light bulb moments myself. It does, and you know what I wish I was thinking about this when we were chatting, um, when we were first starting chat before we were recorded, that you see so many things saying women should take up space and take up space, but we should also take up time. I really feel like somebody should bring that up because mm -hmm. so much of our anxiety is worrying about dropping the ball, worrying about what's coming down the pipe, what's the next thing coming. And it's, you guys were so kind to let me go get my headphones. And I'm like, oh, it really wasn't that much time that I took to go get my headphones. Mm -mm. But in my mind, I'm like, oh God, I gotta go get my headphones. I'm not prepared. They're gonna think I'm a dick, da 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 da. But something was like, take up time, you know? I think that is great advice because yeah. it's so interesting from other people's perspective. It's in the headphones. I'm like, of course, get what you need, feel comfortable. Let's like right. start this in a good place. But like, if I was in your same position, that same thoughts would be going through my head too. Exactly. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm not, oh, I'm yeah. not prepared. People are going to think like, I don't have it together. And I think it's a common thread right. that, yep. that goes through us for sure. What do you yeah. have coming up that you're really excited about, Christine? Oh my goodness. Locally, I'm so I'm born and raised in Baltimore and we have Preakness, which is a huge national event. So I will be helping with that and trying to bring more families to Preakness to Baltimore, my hometown. It's even in my home neighborhood, which is Park Heights. Um, working on another book, working on projects related to mommy as continuing to do career coaching. I am trying to get the taped career coaching sessions live, but I'm a mother like everybody else and I'm struggling to find the time and the strength and the energy. So working on so much, so blessed, so thankful that my children are still happy and healthy like everybody. That's really all I care about these days. That's awesome. It has been such a joy talking with you. And I have so many things now that I, that you've given me so much to think about. So thank you. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciated being a guest. Thank you guys. 
So something I love about this podcast is it gives us an excuse to talk to all of these amazing people who I wouldn't have an excuse to talk to otherwise. No, I know. And Christine was so amazing. But what makes it even better is that she was brought up because we were talking with our balance group. So our balance coaching group, it's an amazing group of these women that we meet with routinely during the month. And we all are working towards the same goals of having our parenting being the common happy parenting that we want to continue on with our families. And then also how to move those over into our personal life. Mm -hmm. And during one of our sessions, and I can't remember if it was one of our amazing social hours or (laughs) if it was a coaching session, but it was brought up a couple of the moms in the group were like, Hey, either, either they were looking to re-enter the job field from being home during either the pandemic or prior to that being a stay at home mom. Or I believe at least one more person had said like, she was like, I'm kind of getting tired of what I'm doing. And I want to switch career fields. I can picture, I can picture both of those people who I will not name names. Yes. Okay. All right. And I know that like you were, and after that you were like, Christine Carter, we have to have her on. Yeah. And she did not disappoint. Oh my gosh. The things that Christine brought up from the donuts, from bringing the stuff that I feel kind of chained to as a woman, like, I feel like I'm judged if I'm not doing those nice things, even though like in my head, I feel like. I don't want to do those nice things because I find that they're like time wasters and the men don't have to do them. So why am I doing like, it's this whole complicated thing. I'm always talking to myself back and forth in my head. And I feel like Christine ended the argument that my brain was going for right there and was like, no, like this is, this is okay not to do this because here's what happens. I think we get such confusing messages though, of what we need to do to succeed in the workplace because we're told not to have emotions in the workplace. And yet we see all of these people being promoted ahead of us. We're like, what do they have that I don't have? Or what do I need to do to get ahead? And you feel like you have to do these other things because let's face it, women sometimes are at a disadvantage in the workplace. It has gotten better over the years, but it is definitely still there in corporate America. Oh yeah. 100%. So yeah. What I really, really love that Christine had to say, like going along that same, going along that same mindset, she was just talking about how you don't have to hide your emotions. Like take the things that you have that, that are core characteristics of, of a lot of us as moms, Mm -hmm. right. And apply those in your job. So like being honest, being open, trying to drill down on things to figure out what the real issue is being genuine. I mean, like I don't sit there and try to put on a happy face for my kids. Like they see my, my full everything and they know what my, what my goals are, why I'm asking questions. And we do kind of tend to try to keep that behind closed doors when we're at work, use them. There are mm-hmm. gifts. They are our superpowers. They are we our gifts. We hone in on those. I always think about what would happen if women were totally in charge and did not play by this male set boundaries of behavior or like in the roles. And I think it would be a very kind and empathetic place where a lot of stuff would get done. And a lot more people would feel comfortable because they would be emotionally taken care of. Now, is that true for all women? Well, I think, um, I think it's definitely an education process and it's definitely something that would have to like progress (laughs) because we've been so set in these uh, ways, but I think it would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be fantabulous. So, so definitely, I want to tell everybody in the audience: you have to go get her book, mm-hmm. Mom AF. It's amazing. You, you will just laugh. Her. You will laugh through it. I mean, it is such an <laughs> enjoyable read. It's so enjoyable, and she is so funny. And there was one thing in there that I didn't even bring up with her, but she was talking about like 
mom influencers and gentle parenting. And like, she was comparing how they say it should go to how reality is. And that, I mean, you'll just be laughing so hard. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom, take care of you. And we will talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.